0: So one of the Let's Get Nuts podcast, um, just like to start off with a couple of thank yous. And number one to Mitch Macon, who came up with the name for the podcast, the uh, Let's Get Nuts podcast, obviously. And Mitch came up with it, really, I was looking, I asked a few people what they thought to name the podcast and a couple suggestions were to do with certain sports, maybe some type of lingo in those sports to put it as part of the name for the podcast. And they were all good ideas. It's just with it being not just a singular sport podcast. I mean, mainly it's going to be about hockey. I'd say 90% of it will be about hockey, but uh, it just, to me, I needed something a little more about me more so. So uh, the let's get nuts, obviously, for those of you who don't know, One of my many nicknames is nuts and uh, I have no idea why that is. I've had it since I was like eight years old and couldn't shake it off for the longest time and sure it's still kicking. So um, yeah, so let's get nuts. Mitch Macon came up with, and a huge thank you to him for coming up with that. I think it's an awesome name and yeah, we're going to go with that for the podcast and thank you. Number two goes to Scott Erlinson as to go with the podcast. I wanted to have a logo and Scott really hit the logo out of the ballpark I I wanted some type I gave him a bit of a brief idea what I wanted the logo to look like and really he did an unreal job on it, I think I think it looks awesome it looks professional and yeah so a huge thank you to Scott for coming up with the logo he also spent a lot of time helping me get this podcast up and running I really had no idea how to make a podcast I didn't know how to do the technological side of things it's a lot more work than you would think and uh huge thanks to scott for helping me get this up and running and hopefully in a few weeks when we're into episode three four or five that i don't need any bit of his help so a huge thanks to scott i know it's probably getting fairly annoying with me having to get a hold of him uh fairly regularly so um and that leads me into i guess what this podcast will be about so First off, the first 10 to 20 minutes is going to be about probably whatever subject I guess is in hockey, potentially golf or baseball or whatever. We're going to talk about key subjects that are going along during that week because this is probably going to be a weekly podcast, I would say. Just once a week, I'll come on, I'll get different hosts come on, I call them hosts because First ten to twenty minutes will just be me and a buddy or whatever, just bantering back and forth, having different opinions on certain um, certain focuses in sports, mainly hockey, obviously. But um, we'll obviously we'll banter on free agent signings or trades, or if uh, maybe we'll talk about Canadian teams from time to time, or big market teams, or who our Cup favorite is, or whatever. Regardless, that's kind of going to be what the first 10 to 20 minutes is about. Um, This first interview, I didn't have someone join me just because I wanted to give an intro on what the podcast is going to entail. So um, for episode two, I would think we're probably going to talk, I would say, almost all of the 10 to 20 minutes about the World Juniors. So that will be something to look forward to in episode two. And uh, yeah, so that's what the first 10 to 20 minutes will be about. And then the main part of the podcast for each episode will be an interview, probably somewhere between 40 minutes to an hour of, uh, I'll have someone come on probably. Well, actually all the people I'm interviewing are either former NHL players, current NHL players, professional hockey players, and whether it be Europe, the minor leagues, or former professional hockey players and, uh, the minors are in Europe. And then I also have a couple of professional golfers who've said they'll come on a XPGA Tour caddy, some NHL broadcasters, so uh, the and a few other people as well. So that's something to look forward to in these interviews. And this is something I kind of wanted to start doing a couple of years ago, but I did, decided not to just because I was working for other hockey teams for the time. And I didn't want to ruffle any feathers or say something maybe that their organization didn't agree with. So I did not start it at the time. And now I'm a free agent broadcaster. I'd love to get back into broadcasting at some point in time and hopefully sooner than later. But uh, for the time being, I uh, am going to work on this podcast. And hey, maybe this is something that I want to do for a long time. for maybe a career, who knows how well it goes. I'm hoping it goes really well. I'm hoping to get some good feedback. Um, If you ever have anything you'd like to suggest to improve on or whatnot, or something you don't like about it, I'm always open to that. So uh, yeah, and there there is going to be probably some vulgar language from time to time on the podcast. It's not exactly like no swearing or that type of thing. It's kind of a freelance Podcast where people can really say whatever they want express their opinions on certain things i don't want people to feel like they're uh, stepping on eggshells or whatever whoever comes on the podcast i want them to basically speak their mind and say whatever they're basically willing to say about their careers or whatever so i i want it to be a fun podcast i think it's going to be a fun podcast and to be honest the first interview i had with zach i had an absolute blast so um with that we'll lead into that interview and i look forward to uh, hearing some responses and i really hope you all enjoy this interview and the rest of the podcast i think you're going to enjoy this podcast it's going to be fun and there'll be a lot of great stories to hear from so with that i'd like to welcome in zach Boychuk. all right zach good to see you again and how's things
1: going over in europe oh pretty good yeah we got. Uh little new year's uh festivities happening tonight we just got back from like a six-day road trip in germany so dad's coming tomorrow
0: and have a nice little uh, holiday time well that's exciting and good to hear merry christmas to you and the fam i'm sure most of them are still over in uh, north america over here and i know your girlfriend
1: oh, yeah. over there right Yeah, girlfriend's here. She's uh, busy working and studying and stuff. But, uh, no, it's uh, it's been a good year
0: so far. Glad to hear. Well, I guess we'll just kind of start off with, obviously, you kind of started out your junior career in Lethbridge. Um, If you can take me back kind of to at least your last couple of years of junior where you guys went from the run all the way to the WHL finals. I mean, I remember those, like, it was yesterday, but uh if you can kinda of take me back to your run to the final in two thousand and eight.
1: Yeah, that year was a crazy year. I think uh, uh we picked up some really big pieces uh kinda in the summertime, guys that like came out of nowhere, like you have uh, and and then uh Luca Spisa and all these all these unbelievable players. Um I'm not even actually sure if Luca was there at that time, but um, we, we just, we had a bunch of, uh, good vets. Coach Michael Dick was, uh, was getting us on the straight and narrow. And I think at that time I was playing with Mitch Fadden and, um, uh, Dwight King. And Col- we brought in Colton Sevier at one point. We just had like a Ben Wright was our captain. We just had a solid team and, um, went all the way to the finals it was kind of a a miracle run nobody expected us to to beat the Hitmen and um to beat some of these good teams and and then ended up playing Spokane Chiefs in the end and and lost to them but that was a a fun time in, in junior in
0: Lethbridge you mentioned Lucas Visa and Yuha Metsela and I mean I would say that's arguably the Hurricanes best duo they've ever had in there or at least to what I remember back to, that's the best duo of Euros that I can remember back in their history, probably. Um, but in particular, Lucas Pisa, I remember when he came over, he literally came out of nowhere. This guy, I remember showing up to train cab, and he's this 17-year-old. He's got absolute heater in his bottom lip. <laughs> and he's, uh, he just came out of nowhere, though, didn't he? And then he all of a sudden gets drafted in the first round. Yeah, that was
1: crazy. He really like came out of nowhere. Like literally nobody knew who he was. Just young seventeen year old from Switzerland. Just I guess our scouts must have been doing their their right job because when he came in he was just solid for us and I don't even know if he was ranked or like anything with the scouts And, and by the end of the playoff time he was probably one of the best D men in the league and ended up getting drafted in the first round. I think a few spots after me, me and him both went in the first round. And um, he, he was also, uh, he pretty much stepped right into the NHL the following year. So that that was a crazy pickup for us. And Yuho and was the same. He was unbelievable for us.
0: Yeah, and I just, with Spisa, I just, I remember, I'll never forget that image of when he absolutely blew up Scott Glennie in the first round. And then Braden Shen <laughs> drops his gloves, and he pretty much—I mean, it was a pretty good fight, but I would say Spisa definitely got the best of him.
1: Yeah, he can handle himself. I mean, he was—he uh, played hard and had a bomb of a shot, and could play tough too. So some of those Swiss guys—they're—they're they're nails. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of those guys from the '08 team? Uh, there's a few guys that I'll see like randomly in the summer, but not a lot of guys. Uh, that I stay in contact with completely. I'd say uh, Carter Banks is probably the one guy that I still see quite a bit and still pretty good friends, but um, some of the other guys is just if I run into him or uh, we get a text here and there, but
0: um, yeah. I saw Benny Wright actually a couple of weeks ago and I see him just run into him once in a while, but yeah, I hadn't seen him in a long time.
1: Good guy. Yeah, what a what a what a great guy. What a leader. And um you know, he from Lethbridge, so he, he kind of showed us the ropes when I when I moved there and we had a lot of fun in his little Toyota Tercel car back in the day.
0: Yeah. Well and then take me through that oh nine season because I believe Spisa started the year half the way through, he got sent back, right? He went to Philadelphia and yeah. played like 39 games, I think it was. I'm not sure if the NHL rule is still the same, but after 39, or you can play up to 39 games or something, your rookie season, but you still have to pay or get paid for that contract season, and then they can send you back kind of thing. And then, yeah. but you your guys' expectations that year were basically to win the league. And you guys kind of just snuck in the playoff seventh place, I believe it was. And you guys played Saskatoon first round. It was Braden Holpe was their goalie, if I remember correctly. And you guys were swept in the second round. What What do you think kind of happened that year and why didn't it all go together?
1: Yeah, I think it was just kind of a weird year. Uh, there was a lot of like uncertainty with the, the coaching and the general management and stuff. Like We didn't know if those guys were getting re-signed back and there was kind of a lot of uh, crazy stuff going on in our locker room, but um, it was basically just a bunch of, you know, superstar players that had just been recently drafted and and just kind of took the regular season for granted. I think we, we definitely uh, didn't live up to our capabilities, but come playoff time, you know, a seven seed beating a two seed that doesn't happen too often in the Western League, and Saskatoon had a pretty good team that year. So we thought that we could somehow pull it together in the playoffs, and I think yeah, we ended up getting swept by Calgary or somebody. Uh, it was uh, not the way we wanted to to finish, but um, a lot of a lot of guys on those team on that team uh, went on to play quite a while in the NHL as well. Yeah, you
0: guys definitely on paper had a great team that year as well. But uh just the I don't know, it just it just felt like expectations were a little higher than obviously what ended up happening, but that tends to happen from time to time. So um, I guess the last thing about your time at the hurricanes, the rivalry with the Medicine at Tigers. I mean, I remember back to a lot of young people wouldn't remember because it really doesn't happen anymore. You watch the The two teams play, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I went and watched the Hurricanes and Tigers and there was three penalties combined the entire game. And I was like thinking to myself, there was three fights when you played in the first 10 minutes. But in particular, the one I remember the most is when Kyle Beach had the empty net playing against Med Hat in Lethbridge and he stopped at the top of the paint and fired it into the empty net and then the line brawl ensued and King and Orfino I think it was came off the bench um if you can take me back to that situation were you on the ice for that or were you on the bench or what what was going through your mind in that
1: I was actually injured I think I just got back from world juniors um I hurt my ankle or something uh when I was at world juniors and then I am watching from the stands, and I'm watching Beecher cruise up, <laughs> cruise down the ice, and stop. And I'm like, "Oh no, what was that?" And then like Ennis like came in, like gave him a shove, and then all these other guys. It just it was just a melee from then on. And then a uh, couple couple big boys on Medicine Hat were running around, so Dwight King had to jump on the on the ice and. Orfino and yeah it, it was I remember watching it from the stands it was crazy but that was kind of the tail end of when all the fighting was going on and it was starting to get more of a skilled league I, but that was there was still lots of fighting when, when I was there and that's got to be one of, one of the all-time uh WHL
0: line brawls.
1: Oh that was
0: I, I'll never forget that because like Beach didn't just like kind of stop at the... He went full-on stop at the top of the paint and then wired it into the empty net. And then, poor Colton Sevier, he had to take on Matt McHugh, and I think that's when Dwight King yeah, was... Yeah, McHugh, yeah. Oh, that guy was, like, he was like a 35-year-old in a 20-man's body. Like, looked like a yeah. full-on man. Was,
1: was Ben Feld on the ice, or Benfeld? There was a bunch of guys just running around, and I was like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> But. Yeah, you're probably happy you
0: weren't on the ice for that, I guess.
1: Benny right? he was in a fight too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yep. and Yeah, that was, I think Dickers got suspended for a couple of games after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's one of those where, honestly, I think, especially at that point in time, if you're on the bench and coaching... But you got all your skill guys out there in a line brawl against especially Matt McHugh. Like you don't see guys like that in junior nowadays, like Matt McHugh. Like he was no. that guy yeah, was a beast. Guy. Yeah, and <laughs> I just remember King coming off the bench and Orfino, but I bet I wouldn't be shocked if at the time Michael maybe gave him a pat on the back and said we might uh might need you guys out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that might have been what happened, but no, no, nobody knows for sure.
0: Yeah. But uh, I guess also through Junior, you kind of mentioned through that is uh, you played in the World Juniors and obviously it's that time of year right now. Do you still watch the World Juniors? Oh, yeah. I,
1: I love it. Like it's that Christmas time feeling for me, you know, waking up in the morning. Uh, obviously, I'm over in Europe now, so the the games are at different times. But I try and uh, uh, watch as many of the games as I can. And for sure watching the highlights and, and keeping up with uh, with what the guys are doing and uh, obviously I'm always uh, going for Canada to win but there's we got a few guys on our German team that's playing in Germany so we get to watch those guys and it's just crazy to see all the skill that they have now like watching guys like Bedard and some of these young up and comers it's, it's unbelievable how, how they, they can just put everything together and, and It's exciting, fun hockey to
0: watch. We get to Bedard in a moment, but uh, who's the who's the young Germans that play on your team that are on Team Germany? Well, we have uh, the goalie
1: Nikita Kwap. He's been having a really good tournament so far, and then uh, we got a couple forwards and uh, one D-man, and um, all guys basically that have had pretty good uh, chances to play in the Dell and. It's a pretty, pretty tough league over here. And then those guys are doing well here and hopefully uh, they have a decent tournament over there.
0: I think they're honestly, I would rank of the eight teams, they're going to make the quarters. I would say they're probably the eighth team, but with the way Nikita Kvop's been playing, I I mean, they, they could be a scary out for whoever they're going to play and they might get a favorable matchup with potentially, I think it's Slovakia in the quarters. So that would be, that'd be a, they definitely have a chance against the Slovaks, I would think.
1: Well, they could steal a game for sure if they get good goaltending. And, I mean, they held in pretty good against Sweden there, only lost one nothing, and, I mean, ran into a wagon of a team in Canada. So that was a tough one. But um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see too many teams uh, competing with Canada at
0: this point. Well, and also Quap didn't play that game either. They started uh, their backup, I think. In that one. So right. I, and really after they played Sweden in a pretty tight game, it was and Canada lost their opener. It was kinda to be expected, I think, that Canada was gonna probably steamroll Germany in that yeah, one. Yeah.
1: I think I saw the line, it was like six and a half and I we were talking in the room with some of my buddies, we were like, Canada's probably gonna win by ten. Like yeah. it's gonna be I think they ended up winning like twelve two or ten two
0: or something. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely wasn't a, wasn't a close game, but if you can look back, so you played in two world juniors, the first year, obviously when you're 18, especially back then, now it's like it was a complete 19 year old tournament back when you played. but now it's like, there's these draft eligible guys that obviously Bedard's a once in a lifetime talent, or I guess twice, or if you want to compare them to McDavid and Crosby, but I mean, if you could look back kind of on the different experiences that you have when you were 18 compared to when you were 19, because 18, you were the 13th forward, were you not? Yeah, I started out on the
1: third line uh, with Brandon Sutter and and Stefan Legion, and we had like an okay. We were like kind of shut down, kind of trying to put up some, some offense, but we lost that round-robin game in, against Sweden and a couple of our other games So like we were playing over in Europe kind of on the bigger ice like we only beat like Denmark like 3-2 and like our other game was like pretty close so our tournament wasn't going that well and then uh, Craig Hartsburg kind of moved me to the 13th forward and I was in and out of the lineup a little bit the, the, the last few games but I got to play a ton in the gold medal game which was nice but our team was stacked you know we had Marchand and Giroux and like like even uh, Tavares was our 13th forward at one point and uh Stamkos like those guys were young but still really solid players for us and um yeah it was definitely uh nice to get more of an opportunity My t- in 2009 to get to to play on one of the top two lines and power play and and everything but um still nice to get two
0: golds and and play for your country yeah not many guys can say they got two gold medals especially nowadays where the parity in the world juniors is Well, we're seeing it this year i my excitement level wasn't as high because you don't have russia anymore so it kind or at least for the time being so it kind of my excitement level to watch it wasn't quite as high but back then it was uh it was more dominant by canada for sure and to get two gold medals there's not many guys, at least nowadays, that'll be able to say, I think, that they got two gold medals. So that's something you can always, I think, take pride in.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Canada was kind of on top of the, the hockey world at that point. And you had the, the those crazy, uh, what was it, 2003 or 2005 teams. And I think uh, they, we ended up winning five in a row, five golds in a row, and then kind of struggled from, from then on, even the last 10 years. I think Finland's got a bunch of wins. The U.S. has a couple, uh, Canada still too, but uh, it was pretty dominant uh, during
0: that little five-year five run. Yeah, it's it's funny, though. You talk to people and everyone's like, what's wrong with Canada? Like, why aren't they dominating the world juniors? But it, it's honestly, it's a good thing they're not now because you don't want as much as a a lot of Canadians want Canada to win every year. Right. I mean, for the tournament itself and for hockey in general, you almost don't really want them to win every year. I, myself, I just love watching it. I could care. Honestly, I could care less if Canada wins. I just love the watching the close games and the upsets there. You kind of, I know you, you won twice, but are you kind of the same way? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know
1: having played in it you kind of take more of a interest into it and like a lot of of my teammates right now they're they some of them want to watch it some of them don't i'm like i got my phone on the bus and i'm like streaming it and just watching random games like latvia and swiss and i just i like to see the young prospects see what what kind of uh different skill stuff they're doing you see like I watched a couple of games. There, there's there was three Michigans yeah. that, like, attempted, and then now, uh, now they're not doing any of the Michigans. So it's it's funny how the media can just tell them, you know, stop doing that. And now they're they're lighting up, they're putting up points and scoring goals, and and playing the way the hockey should be played. But it's uh, it still would be cool to see a couple of Michigans like when I played. Um, this was. 15, 16 years ago, now there there was a Michigan goal in Sweden. So it's not like these guys are doing anything that that we weren't doing. But um, really, there was there, a Michigan goal. There was a Michigan goal. I think uh, Matthias Tettenby or somebody in Sweden. Oh yeah, yeah. In Sweden. He was a high end prospect. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's uh it's funny that um, the media just just takes it away out of proportion.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about that too. I mean, I kind of voiced my opinion out there on social media, but like the media absolutely berates people if they try something like that, or even a coach might be pretty pissed off if they try the Michigan and fail. But what, what's your opinion on that? Cause I feel like if it goes in, nobody, everybody's praising the player. If it goes right. in and, and, I get that you might have other options to make a play if the puck's on the ice, but I, I feel like, I mean, what's the difference between being stopped on a wraparound or just a plain shot compared to being stopped on a Michigan attempt?
1: Yeah, honestly, like if you can perfect it, it's definitely way better than a wraparound. Like how often do you see wraparound goals nowadays? Like, Yeah, exactly. You probably see Michigan's even more more often. Some guys are so skilled and so good at it that it's it's better than a shot on goal. So it's uh, I don't know. I think it makes it pretty exciting. Like I when I when just when you're watching and you're seeing stuff like that, you know, these guys are doing it at full speed, and it the the announcers, the broadcasters, like they're wowed. and all all the fans are going you know, cheering and, and, and definitely super uh, wow. So it's, I think it's a good thing. You, you definitely can't be trying it like three times a game. Like that's just a little bit too much, but, um, and hopefully when you try it, it works. I don't think I would ever try it, but, um, that's not my set, Uh, that's for sure.
0: It, and in two, so you take, you talk about the skill set, but also, uh, if you take us back, the amount of skill on your team in 2009 in particular, but you guys were up against the Russians in that semifinal game and they were up on you by a goal. Yeah, I guess a goal in the last 30 seconds. And you're on the ice trailing by one. What's kind of the thought going through your mind before, obviously, the Jordan Everly goal, which might be outside of the Sydney Crosby OT goal in uh, Vancouver? that that's gotta be in there for the top five Canadian goal moments of all time. And you were on the ice for that. Did you end up, did you get the second assist on that goal? No, I don't think so.
1: I was just kind of poking at it at the top. And I think Ellis made like a really nice play to keep the puck in. And uh, somehow Tavares ended up getting it through it towards the net. And I just remember thinking, you know, we're taking these face offs and, I think at one point the Russian guy iced it and missed the net and he was laughing and like all this stuff. So like we thought we were done and to have something like that happen, you know, probably one of the most iconic goals. I think almost every Canadian has, has heard or seen that goal and for whatever reason just remembers it. You know, it's like 2009 world juniors in Ottawa. It's, it's crazy how many people have, uh, have memories of that specific World Juniors and I happened to be on the ice for that and um, just to see Eberle score and PK running over to him going crazy (laughs) and uh, Pat Quinn was our coach at the time and it was just a pretty awesome
0: experience. Well I I remember too I was watching that game briefly I watched the start of it and then the hurricanes were actually playing in Swift Current. And I was on my way home from Regina with my mom for Christmas. And we're on our way home. And I was like, Mom, we're stopping. We're watching the Canes game in Swift, just how I was, you know, how I was when I was 14. <laughs> and so sure enough, we went to the game in Swift. And I think it was like six-nothing Swift after two. And you know, in that building, how they got all the boxes are kinda on the one side of the of the rink. Like behind, I want to say it's behind uh, the away team's net. And I would say, well, everyone, at least in that area of the rink, and that happened to be where I was, was turned around watching the TV. And the game is going on in Sliff Current. And literally, the building just erupts big game for oh, <laughs> the tying goal <laughs> and the shootout, too, obviously. Yeah. It was, it was pretty funny that that memory will stick with me too. But um, yeah, one of those moments where I was like, where the hell were you, I guess. And Yeah. Sure enough. I was watching your other team play at the time and yeah, it was Mm -hmm. pretty funny how that works out. But, um, but you look at that Russian team, like not many of them had NHL experience or guys that went on to play in the NHL, but at the time they were loaded. Like, a lot of those guys yeah. were high end prospects. Like you got I'm just looking on my phone here, you have Dadnov, who's obviously still an NHL veteran and playing. You got a uh, Nikita Filatov who was a stud. I think they had uh well, Slava Boynov, who obviously would probably still be in the NHL if it wasn't for what he ended up doing. And then you got, um, I think it was Kirill Petrov was another name and, yeah. uh, shoot an right the d-man maxime shoot he was like high end like he was sick i remember and he's i don't think he ever came over to north america but they were they were a pretty stacked up team yeah they were they and they were machines like i remember my
1: my agent joking like even back then like what are these teenagers taking they're they're buzzing around and then sure enough years later the whole Doping scandal happens, and we're like, oh, maybe, maybe they were onto something. But um no, they they've always had a good uh, like world junior team, and I think that year they had like some good goalies, and we, we had a crazy game against them. I mean, it was back and forth, and uh, I think we were getting outplayed like for a good chunk of the game. And obviously, uh nice to take the win in the shootout and and go to the finals and 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 beat Sweden in the finals, but um definitely a, a fun and exciting tournament uh seems like no matter uh no
0: matter what year it is. I I guess last thing on that topic is you still I, I know you're good buddies with Eberly and Hickey, right? But do you still keep in touch with other guys on that team or on the 08 team too? Uh no not as much. I would say,
1: uh, you know, there's a couple guys for sure that I still play against over here, and um, would maybe run into at the, at the Spengler Cup and and stuff like that. But um, most of the guys are a lot of the guys are still playing the NHL. I mean, there's a few guys retired, um, definitely getting old older. You <laughs> got guys, uh, you know, families and kids and. Um, retiring and playing a thousand games, like I don't know how many guys are coming up on their thousand games right now that I played with, and um, it's uh, it's it's just awesome that I was able to be a part of those teams and um, have have guys that you know are probably going to be Hall of Famers, and um, I
0: was just kind of a little piece uh, piece of the puzzle uh, to the, those teams. Well, I wouldn't say little piece though. Seven points and over point a game that second world juniors that's pretty big especially to be on the ice too for that time goal and really if it's not an IIHF event i think you probably pick up a second assist on that goal like in the nhl or ahl you're probably getting that i mean it's kind of a greasy apple but you probably you're probably getting that though wouldn't you
1: yeah i don't i don't even know i can barely remember the play i still see it on replay all the time and hear my name um <laughs> from Gord miller but um no i'm just glad we we got the gold
0: yeah that's that's fair that's fair so i guess we'll we'll kind of work our way up here and i'll take take me through i guess the whole process of you get drafted by carolina you play out your 19 year old year with the hurricanes and then you work your way into the nhl what was the experience like playing in your first nhl game
1: it was unbelievable i mean um, i think uh, it was right after my draft here i was kind of hurt at the beginning of the year i i had hurt my my wrist the the season before but they brought me on like signed me during, during training camp and and then i wasn't sure what was going to happen i was just practicing with the team pretty much waiting for my wrist to get better and they kept me around for 3 weeks until i got healthy and then they liked what they saw in practice so they gave me uh two games and I got to play my first game in L.A. Um, I played on a line with Rod Brindamore and Sergei Samsonov, and uh, we actually got scored on our first shift, so that was kind of a tough <laughs> welcome to the, <laughs> to the NHL, but um, kind of settled in after that. Uh, had, had a really good chance to score uh, against Anaheim, and um, my parents were able to come down to the games in, in California. and. It was just a a great way to to start my career and get a little taste of the NHL. Do you remember who – well, obviously you
0: probably do, but who did you play against your first game? Yeah, it was L.A. and then uh, Anaheim was the second game. Okay, so that's pretty sweet to be against L.A. though because they would have had Colpitar. Would Dowdy have been on the team yet? I know he played with you World Juniors. Was he on the team? Yeah, that would have been his – we were drafted the
1: same year, so he uh, he would have been playing by then.
0: Okay, and then was it, now I could be completely wrong here, but I feel like you'll never live this down. If it was, was your first goal on Martin Brodeur? Yeah, that yeah, is Brodeur. Like he's arguably the greatest goalie of all time, or he's for sure top five. Yeah, he's he's one of the best goalies of
1: all time, and my my it was my uncle's favorite goalie, and um i always joke i said i think it took me a few games to get the goal but i always said oh, i was i was waiting to score it on broder but and and like a cool moment i
0: i think i remember it was it is it like was it in broder fashion was he like trying to pad stack and he like flipped it I think over he was yeah, yeah
1: he was like f- flopping around just finding a way to make the save, and i tipped it and then the rebound came right back to me and I like backhanded it like over like dribbled in and I was like <laughs> celebrated like it was like the overtime time winner of the Stanley Cup but it was the first goal of the game Wow, well, a
0: pretty cool moment uh, honestly I can't even imagine I mean I can't even imagine what my celebration would be if I ever got an NHL goal obviously that'll never happen I I mean, I basically have to treat my beer league games like that's me playing in the NHL, but <laughs> it's, uh, I can't even imagine like when people say, oh, he's selling too hard. I mean, I just think about as a kid, you know, always playing street hockey and, or whatever you're playing mini sticks. And you're like, Oh, I, this is me playing in the NHL. And to get that goal, like, especially on Martin Brodeur, I don't know what I'd do. Like that is, <laughs> that's, that's so cool that your first goal was on, uh, martin broder yeah it felt pretty
1: good and it was uh, it was assisted by brandon setter which is one of my good buddies and, and brett carson which is another one of my really good buddies so i got the the plaque uh with the puck and me celebrating and um pretty cool uh moment for me
0: That that is that's uh, yeah that's pretty sweet for sure um does brett still play or is he is he retired now uh, he just retired last year, after this year. So
1: he's uh he's a scout now, I think, for Nashville and um he's living in Calgary. Um get to see him quite a bit. He's still one that I, I keep in touch with a lot.
0: Okay. Uh yeah, no, I'm a really nice guy from the time I met him when he was with you from everything. I can tell so and and I take your word for it because he's one of your good buddies so I take your word for it I I would say if you're friends with him I guess uh guess it's probably something he's a pretty good guy I would say
1: (laughs) oh yeah he's he's liked on every team that he plays on he's just a big uh funny funny guy and you know plays hard and he had a pretty good career He played for the Flames for a while and um, we were roommates back in the day in in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, playing in the AHL, and we were kind of going, getting called up and sent down at the same time. And uh, I was sad to see him leave, but um, he went to Calgary and and had a pretty good career there. And um, yeah, still one of my good buddies.
0: Now, so was it right after Carolina and? You went to the AHL for a couple of years, right? With Carolina's affiliate still. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. At, but it was through waivers where you ended up in P- Pittsburgh and Nashville, right? Yeah. So did yeah, you?
1: Was my, it was the lockout year. It's crazy year. So that is, is
0: that 12-13 or 13-14? Yeah, I think around there. Maybe 13-14. Okay, so – and it was – set. was it seven games in Pittsburgh, I want to say? Uh, seven games in Pittsburgh,
1: five games in Nashville. And then I don't know. Back on waivers, back to Carolina.
0: <laughs> it always seems to go that way, hey? Like if a guy doesn't hit it on waivers right away, it's you're going maybe one more stop, and then you're going back to where you were. Yeah, that's crazy. How That was – I started the year in
1: Charlotte because it was a lockout. Luckily, I was able to play some games, and I was playing really well. And then made Carolina out of training camp and played the first first game with Stahl and uh, Semin on the first line. I was like, "Oh, this is this is going to be going great." And then uh, we lost a couple games, and I sat in the stands for ten games, and they put me on waivers. And Carolina, Pittsburgh picked me up. Got to play with Malkin and Neal. I was like, oh, I'm getting a good opportunity here, too. Seven games, not one point, playing with James Neal and Evgeny Malkin. (laughs) So that's that's, uh, the luck that I had. Not even a second assist, nothing. So I was back in the stands for a couple months. I was living with Brandon Sutter at the time in Pittsburgh. So we kind of followed each other around a little bit from Carolina to Pittsburgh. And then I was back on waivers, went to Nashville, played pretty well Nashville, scored my first game, uh, had had an assist, I was playing with Fisher and I think Erad at the time, and um, Barry Trotz just didn't think I played tough enough, so he put me back on
0: waivers after five games. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably not easy, though, going from place to place. But I guess going back to Pittsburgh, I could be completely wrong, but did you did Sidney Crosby take you for dinner right when you got there and told you basically just if Gino gets in your ear, just tell him to fuck off or just don't listen to him? <laughs> no, I
1: don't think he's he said anything like that. But I feel like uh, Crosby was really good for taking guys under his wing, and him and uh, Brandon Sutter would hang out all the time. And I was Sutsi's roommate uh, in in Pittsburgh, so. We were always going for dinners, uh, whether it was pregame meals or um, uh, like night before a game and um, got to hang out with Crosby quite a bit. Never really got to play online with him or anything. I think we had like one or two shifts together, but just to be around a guy like that was uh, just crazy. Just
0: a pure superstar, great guy on and off the ice. Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but great things from Clinkhamer played with him too obviously for Briefston and in Pittsburgh and yeah, heard awesome guy like not necessarily like Mr. Serious around the rink but he still likes to have a couple pops away from the rink like most guys do at least. And but yeah. do you have any crazy like did Malkin ever like was did he ever get in your ear on the bench or is he, is he the crazy Russian he comes across as?
1: Not for me. I mean, we. I wasn't there a long time, but we were line mates, and he didn't really talk much to me, or I don't know if him and James Neal were talking much, but he just kind of. I don't know if he was speaking the greatest English back then, and we just kind of. We actually had some good chemistry. We got lots of chances, and it was kind of a. I li- I liked playing with him, but I just did, ended up not
0: working out, and I always thought he was a really nice guy. So a couple of years. After Pittsburgh and Nashville, it was a couple of years in the minors, right? And then, was it over to Russia? Is that where it went first, right? For three years. Yeah,
1: yeah. I start. I was on a PTO in Arizona trying to get a contract uh, after Carolina uh, was all done, and um, ended up not making the the, the team in in Arizona. Um, was thinking about maybe signing like an AHL deal somewhere, but I figured, you know, I'd been bounced around up and down for seven, eight years, kind of wanted to make some money and, and go overseas and, and try that for a little bit. So went to Novosibirsk, Russia and, um, froze my ass off that first year, it was like minus 40 every day. But, uh, finally You know, I didn't get one paycheck on time. It took me, took four months to get my first paycheck. And then uh, I waited like another half a year, I think, to to get the rest of my paycheck. But finally got all my money and uh, was an experience.
0: That's for sure. So Nova Sibirsk, where the hell in Russia is that? I know I've heard that team, but I have no idea where in Russia that is. It's pretty
1: far east, like it's it's in Siberia, like it's okay. literally one of the coldest places in in, in the world and Russia, but um, our travel was nuts, like we were, when you're in the Eastern Conference and you just don't realize how big Russia is, like it's huge, they got eight, nine time zones, like you think like USA and Canada is big, we only have three time zones, they have like eight, so... If you're flying from Moscow like all the way over to Vladivostok and China and like all these places you you have to take the plane down and and gas back up like it's just like crazy how far these flights are
0: well i I remember when I was over in Russia and I was trying to i i think we tried to connect I don't know if you were playing around Moscow or not, but uh Olmsk was playing out of Moscow or some little suburb of moscow that season because their building like fell down or i don't know something happened but when i was over there i remember um there were games going on at like noon at and yeah. it was it was like noon moscow time and there were games i think it would have been Kunlun, the china team that was playing yeah. but and i just assumed i was like oh it's just an afternoon game but it's not it's seven o'clock like how the hell did you guys play games like how did your body feel when you're playing games at freaking in your time zone it's seven o'clock but across the country it could be a nine hour time difference
1: yeah honestly that season my body did not ever, not ever know what time zone that i was on like the travel was so crazy the flights were so long we'd get home at six in the morning and I didn't know like if it was six in the morning at our time or six in the morning in Moscow time, like usually the, the Moscow teams will stay on, on one time zone and just not even look at like the the, the local clock. So yeah, you're right. You know, Like you think the game's at seven, but really the, you're playing, the, the, you're playing the game at like 11, 12. Like I remember landing in, in what the, the one day we, we, we get in, we're like, oh, like we had to fly east. We were like, oh, like we're, we're just going to go to the hotel. It's like 10 or 11 p.m. at night. No, our coach is like, we got to go practice. So we had to go and wait for the beer leaguers to get off the ice at like 10 or 11 p.m. And then we practice after them and then like went to bed at like three or four in the morning, woke up the next day and played at like twelve or one like local time. Like it was on honestly the craziest uh, scheduling and, and time zones, but um it was it was something to experience, that's
0: for sure. Did do you got any crazy Russian stories besides your paychecks showing up four months late? I mean there's there's countless
1: stories for sure. The the, the one that was probably the craziest was the the Russian gas uh, don't, you kind of hear that a lot on spit and chicklets, but um, for my Russian gas story, it was it was just a crazy, shady experience. Like like we are we're at home. home I think um, I don't even want to say which team team it was on because I I feel like they'd probably get me in trouble. Yeah, we go into like this back room and like all the Russian guys are like, Oh yeah, you got to try the Russian gas. And I'm like, okay, okay like I, you got you to try it once. So I, I go into this like back room in the corner of the dressing room. And, uh, there's like these doctors They're They're sitting there. They're, there's like one lamp on and all the lights are off. And I'm like, okay, like this is kind of shady. And like a couple of the guys are like lined up to, to go get on this bed where these doctors are. And uh, I'm like waiting in line, like seeing what everybody else is doing. And so when it becomes your turn, like I'm like trying to talk to the Russian guys. Like, what do I do? Like, how, like, how, like, how does this work? And they're like, okay, like make sure like you really breathe in and you really breathe out. And then you, you hold your breath. So I, but eventually it came to up being my turn. I get on this like little like massage table. With this like weird like lamp like shining in my eyes, and this guy's got this gas mask on, and he's ready to to fill her up and and put it on my mouth. And he's like, he's speaking full Russian. I have no idea what he's saying. The lights are still like kind of dark. I'm like trying to relax, like trying to breathe. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay. And I go one, two, three, like breathe in like as as far as I can. And then they put the gas mask on and you're supposed to hold your breath and like let the gas like kind of like seep up like into your like brain and like i don't know what it does but for some reason i could hold my breath with this gas mask on for like i felt like 3 minutes like i felt like it was endless and all of a sudden like all the energy and everything that was like going to my head just like felt, made me feel unbelievable like i walked out of there thinking that this was like the best thing ever like the next day the next game like I was flying like I could never get tired. So I have no idea what they put in this little gas thing, but that's my, my Russian gas story. So we had five points the next day or what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, our team wasn't great. We were like Russia's a tough league, but it's, yeah. uh, all those guys are machines, and um, I think they're taking a little extra curricula- curriculars <laughs> on the side too
0: yeah well i i remember going out in russia and i don't know if i'm sure guys on your team did the same but did they take like these it's not it's is it like shisha
1: or whatever they smoke it yeah yeah the hookah or the shisha yeah a lot of a lot of russians do that over there it's a it's a wild thing instead of getting wasted they just smoke these whatever it is half the guys are crushing vodka
0: and the other half's doing the shisha yeah yeah you know and I, I mean you would probably agree with me i i think i mean i was in moscow so and i've heard other places are a little different but i mean i i loved russia i don't know if you did too but
1: i honestly really like Novosibirsk. like that was uh it's the third biggest city in russia and it has everything you need. Like everything was cheap. You take a a taxi, it'd be a 20 minute ride. It'd be two bucks. Like everything was, was really cheap. And, um, I mean, it was cold obviously, but I never like felt unsafe. Like I never felt worried. Like the food was good. Um, the women are are very good looking as well. So that's, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of nice to look at. But, um, I, I enjoyed my time
0: in Russia. Well, and you you say you never felt unsafe. I I completely agree with you there. I I tell people all the time. I mean, I don't know if they pull you in, a, pull you downstairs somewhere and blow your head off if you do something dumb to, over there. But I always say I would. I felt safer walking alone in Moscow at night than I do in Lethbridge at night. So I uh, I would completely agree with you there. Um, I guess one of the last things I as we wind down here, but. Huh. I guess, uh, kind of talk about your experiences at the Spangler cup and what, what, what's so cool about the Spangler cup? Cause I, you always hear stories that guys just absolutely love playing in the Spangler cup. And as a young kid, and I think a lot of kids, even nowadays, they see the Spangler cup on TV and it's, Oh, I'm not watching that. I'm watching the world juniors. Like, I don't even know what the hell's going on in this term, this Spangler cup tournament, but The older I've got, I've appreciated it a lot more and started to watch it a bit more. I didn't watch it all this year, and probably a good thing. It looked like they had a rough (laughs) go. I guess just talk about your experiences at the Spangler. You won two of the three years you played, which is pretty awesome. But, yeah, just, I guess, take us through how the Spangler Cup works and and, uh, what's so enticing and so awesome about playing in the Spangler. Yeah, it's just the whole uh, atmosphere and experience
1: there in, in Davos. Like Switzerland is an incredible country, and it's just such a cool little mountain town uh, in the middle of nowhere in Swiss. And all the hockey fans from all over uh, the world will go and and watch this tournament. I think it's the oldest uh, running tournament in in hockey history. It's like over a hundred years old, so it's uh, it's just got a ton of history and. I always liked, you know, waking up early on Christmas Day or, or uh, Boxing Day and trying to find some hockey. And on TSN, they're always playing the Spangler Cup first because it's it's over in Europe and it plays earlier. And then usually the World Juniors is the, the later games. So I grew up watching it. And there's always uh, a couple guys on the team that has a ton of NHL experience and they always have like good coaches and GM like Shane Doan was the GM this year and Niedermeyer was one of the coaches, Travis Green. So like every year, uh, I like when I played, I, I got to play with BX, uh, you know, oh, Manny like Chris Kelly, like, a, just a lot of like legends, uh, of the, of the game. And, um, luckily I was, I was able to win uh, a couple of the Spanglers that I that I played at and, I was also trying to make the Olympic team so that's why I got to go to the Spengler and, and give a good give a good effort but um no it's just a, a special place to play and um I think any uh you know older NHL guy that is thinking about retiring or you know thinking about playing a little bit in Europe to to definitely say yes to that tournament cuz it's it's a fun one for not only you but families and um my parents got to come over and experience it and Ron Francis was our GM from, uh, the the one year too. Like it's just uh, a crazy list of of great hockey Canada people. And anytime hockey Canada asks me to play, I, I usually uh, say uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I mean everything I've heard is it's awesome. And I mean from a fan perspective, I've heard it's just an absolute party and just oh yeah, you're drunk the whole week basically. <laughs> yeah, they're up dancing
1: on tables and. They're up in the ski, like ski hills, and it's uh, it's so much fun. And I was actually watching a little bit of the tournament today. Obviously, Canada lost in the quarter, so uh, you know it's it's tough to to watch these other teams. But um, a Swiss team ended up winning today for like the first time in a long time, and they won in a shootout. And it it, it honestly, th- their fans were crying. Like, well, it's just <laughs> one of those teams that. Um, you know, hasn't won a lot over in the Swiss League. They haven't uh, won really anything. And for them to win um, the Spangler Cup, uh, their fans were just going absolutely nuts. It's like singing, and it's just a completely different atmosphere for a game. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool to, to see that. Was it Ombry who won? Ombry Is Piota. Ambri won,
0: yeah. They won in a shootout. Yeah, that's... that's uh... That's pretty wild because, yeah, I, I remember when my buddy played over there, they didn't have much success. They were always in the play to stay up in the top league, not even in the playoffs. So it's uh, – but the atmosphere in Europe is just so different. And I guess that takes us to Germany. And what are, what's your experience like been like in Germany? It seems like a place where a lot of guys, after their NHL career, they tend to go – either finish their career or if they want to revive their career and maybe try and get a comeback. And I guess two part question. One being what's it like playing in Germany and what's the atmosphere like? And the other being, do you have aspirations to make it back to North America before the end, end of your career?
1: Uh I love it in Germany. I think uh it's one of those leagues that's, you know, getting better and better every year. It's it's super underrated. I think uh, you know, coming over here um you know everybody talks about the Russian league and the the Swiss league but uh it's it's crazy how good some of these other leagues are getting you know Sweden's uh really solid it's probably one of the top leagues and um you know Czech's really coming along Germany um a lot of these teams like we played in this uh Champions League uh tournament you know where you're playing all the all the top teams from all across the leagues and it's just a, it's just a lot of fun, and every league kind of has a different style of play. Um, Germany is like really more North American style. I think you can see like how they're churning out some really good prospects and really good players because you know they just play hard. It's offensive. It's go go go, and um, you know there's a lot of guys in our league that played long NHL careers and. And we're really good in the American League, and we're like high-end prospects. So that's kind of rubbing off on some of these other German, younger German players and, you know, guys like Dreisaitl and Moritz Seider. And and there's a guy in Buffalo that's doing really well uh, this year. And, um, I think it's – I can't remember his name. Paterka. It's his Odo or, Paterka. Paterka. Yeah, that's right. He's like – and then Lucas Reichel, he, he's going to be an up-and-comer in Chicago. Like it's just crazy uh, how, how good these young guys are getting. So I love Germany as a country. Like it's, it's so laid back here. You know, you can go outside and drink a beer anywhere you want. Like you can, (laughs) you can literally like walk down the park, like walk down the middle of the street and be drinking a beer. It's, it's just like the culture over here is just chilled and, um, there's some good clubs that the guys go to and, um, good, uh, some good cities in Germany that we get to travel around in and and, uh, I've been, I've been loving it. But as far as going back to North America, I mean, I wouldn't shut the door completely. You know, I'd maybe, you know, maybe in my last couple of years, maybe try and play in the American league for a little bit, but I think uh, NHL career is kind of long, long past and I like uh, like playing over here in in, uh, in some of these leagues I've, played in three different leagues now and uh,
0: I'll keep trying to to play for as long as I can well and yeah I, I think a lot of guys that do end up going to Europe I mean the odds of making it back you know as good as anyone the odds of making it back are pretty hard to the NHL at least I mean the minors is a little bit different story but um, but it just, it just seems like Europe's such a great place to play hockey and it, it's nice to kind of hear stuff like that that you just mentioned. That yeah, now, now that I'm older,
1: you know, I appreciate it so much more. Like we get all these breaks uh, during like when the national team wants to do their practicing and tournaments and stuff. So we'll get like seven days off in November where we can just travel around. I went to Turkey this year. I've been to Dubai. Like I've been to all these different places in Europe and trained around, fly. Like it's it's just, it's so fun over here. And, and then if there's an Olympic break, I think we got like 14 days last year. Like it's just, it's a little bit different schedule. We only play like 56 games, I think. And, um, a little bit easier on the body. There's not as much hitting and fighting and stuff. So it's, it kind of suits my play. And, um,
0: I, I I like a lot over here. I guess, uh, two, two questions before I wrap this up, but, First off, you mentioned Lucas Reichel. Is that how you say his name, Lucas Reichel? Okay, yeah. you played with him, correct, for a year. Yeah. What my first year here. I'm a Hawks fan, so I gotta ask you what, what, uh, what, what's your thoughts? Like, what do you, what do you think he's gonna transform into? I, I honestly think his
1: potential is like through the roof. Like, I couldn't believe some of the moves that he was making over here in this league and. He was pretty much our first line center, and he, he actually started on the wing like years prior, and our coach just threw him at center uh, with these two other German guys our, on our team, and they just lit the whole league out. So he's... Uh, and to do that at you know 17, eight years old, 18 years old in this league, that's pretty impressive. So I think uh, when he finally gets his shot uh, in Chicago and they give him a long extended look, I think he's going to be solid. And if they bring in maybe Bedard to help him out too. Yeah, I'm hoping on that. But (laughs) um, I think that team could be pretty exciting uh, with, with two guys like that.
0: Oh, I would, I, I, I will cry if Chicago doesn't get Bedard, I think, because I, I mean, watching him in the world juniors is just like, I, I get it that they played Germany and Austria, but like, he's 17 and he just had 13 points in two games. Like the
1: guy's a human cheat code. Like he can literally do it all. He can shoot, he can pass, he can dangle. Like he's, he hits, like he literally, I think if he was a little bit bigger, he could be, you know, one of the best players of all time. But um, I think he's going to be an exciting player to watch for a long time. And, Maybe that's that's why Chicago traded half their players. They they see that and they
0: want them. Yeah, well, and I I mean you you honestly you think that at least there's for now there's going to be no one as good as McDavid and what he's doing right now is ridiculous. But like you look at what Bedard's doing at the World Juniors, and I know he doesn't skate like McDavid, but it's almost like hard to think that there's maybe something there where he could be potentially as dominant as mcdavid if you just look at like their junior numbers the guys mcdavid got to play with compared to who bedard's played with in junior and like you look at their world junior statistics like it's one of those things where i i don't know like he just keeps doing these things over and over and you're like holy cow like is this guy like potentially the next mcdavid he could be. It'll be it'll be
1: interesting to see that, that play out because obviously McDavid is all of a sudden scoring a ton of goals now too, so he's he's working on his shot and he's kinda of got everything going for him. I don't think he, he hits a lot like Bedard does, but obviously he's got the size and and that crazy, crazy speed. Whereas um, I think Bedard kinda of gets his touches and makes his plays. He still skates pretty well but no, it's it's just so fun to watch those guys and his his confidence level through the roof. Like he's tried multiple Michigans already too, and I, I mean, guys like that are are definitely changing the game. Well, um, I think. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you were talking. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, yeah, just like I. Uh, I love watching the world juniors, but I've never seen a guy dominate the, the way that he's dominating. Like Tavares had a good tournament when I was playing and, and Ebbs and those guys. And, but to see, you know, that many points and that many goals already in the tournament basically just started. Uh, we'll see if he can score some, some big time goals. Like, like I really did, but um, I I think uh, he, he could end up uh, be breaking the record for all time.
0: Yeah, I I honestly, I think he's going to probably break Lindros' record here, which is, I didn't think that was ever attached, but sure, get proven wrong. But, um, and for me, the thing that makes me cheer for him a lot is I've heard growing up, he wasn't the wealthiest kid, which is like, especially not only to be as good as he is, or just a good player in general, but like to not have that wealth behind him to really push him to the next level like don't get me wrong mcdavid's a hell of a player but he had a pretty wealthy family if i remember correct growing up in the greater toronto area and obviously was helped that way now but had the talent level so everyone around him was going to help him that wasn't family related to push him but that's probably even for you that probably is like one of those things where it's like that's pretty sweet that a guy with that much talent that really doesn't have a crazy amount of money background.
1: Yeah, you got to be happy for him. I mean, and like to be a, a exceptional status in the WHL, that's basically never happened, right? He's a, I think he's one of the first ones and um it happens seems to happen all the time over in Ontario and and Quebec, but for him to come into the Western League and basically put up like a goal per game and just completely light every every league that he's been playing. And he's been playing under-18s, under-17s. He's been playing, like, up a year, and it's just crazy. Like, he's not even 17 and a half, and he is the best player by far. It's not even close in the whole CHL. You know, he's obviously going to go first overall, and um, to come from, you know, a background like that, that's 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 great for him.
0: Well, we could probably talk for hours, Zach, but it's also, it's uh, getting close to New Year's that year in your area. I mean, you still got a few hours to go, but uh, I guess we'll kind of wrap this up, but I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was great to have you. Like I said, we could go on for a couple more hours, really, if we want to, but uh, thanks again for coming on.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, go nuts. Eh? I, I, I love the... <laughs> yeah you're a legend uh all across the hockey world coming <laughs> from you know 14 year old kid watching lethbridge hurricane games and see see where you're at now
0: it's awesome well thanks a bunch buddy and we'll stay in touch and happy new year to you and it's rena right yeah, yeah okay happy new year.
1: yeah tell your dad i say hi to you will do